Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Happy day, America. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show, the Bauer and Rose Podcast, right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot, Channel 125. You can catch us during the week by listening to our podcast, the Sirius XM platform, podcast platform, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we're hosted online at justthenews.com. Make sure to give us a five-star rating, recommend us to friends, enemies, and neutrals. And, um, well, happy day, Gary. I want to start. And a happy day to you, Tom. Uh, oh, thank you, Gary. Thank you. Um, very nice participation today, Gary. You're now free to go. I'm, uh, I'm done now. I'm, I decided I, to just let you go, and we'll, we'll let the America judge whether my interruptions are something that should be looked forward to. I, I want to start with something ridiculous, and then we're going to get into the, okay. the, the true uh, threats to our country. I have never, like I know you have never, in any international sporting competition, rooted actively against the United States. I will admit that having lived in Israel for many years, having a son that swam competitively there and swam in college, that, you know, in a, in a heat or in a swimming final when there are eight guys in the pool or eight women in the pool and there are two Americans and one Israeli in either the first lane or the eighth lane, which is the slowest lane, I'll be cheering for the Israeli. But not that it makes any difference because they finish in seventh or sixth, but <laughs> I, I have I actively, actively rooted for Sweden in this Women's World Cup game because unlike real athletes, the woke athletes that are so emblematic of our, our women's soccer team can do whatever they want. They can walk off. They can refuse to play like, like Colin Kaepernick, and they're still treated as greats. This Megan Rapinoe, this America-hating, uh, uh, canceled culture, woke mistress, um, who now wants men to be able to play in women's soccer tournaments that she announces at her uh, retirement ceremony so she doesn't actually have to compete against uh, other men. Here's, ES, here's how ESPN treated this story. Quote, U.S. women's dream misses by a millimeter. Gary, she <laughs> shanked that penalty kick by, what, six feet or something? And it's a, it, it's a millimeter. She's now... Uh, this cultural icon, it doesn't really make any difference whether she's successful or she's not successful. I guarantee you're going to see her purple hair on merchandise uh, because the only real achievement in America today, uh, the America of our self-absorbed, woke reality of, of virtue signaling, comes from achieving woke goals, not scoring real ones. Yeah, you, you know, Tom, the... Uh uh, as much as you had those emotions about it, and I share them, 
Uh, the left loved this team, and they, they loved the, the coach of the team, uh, the, the captain of the team, for the very reasons that, that were disgusted with him. So a couple of things here. Uh, these young ladies, uh, many of them, they're, they're great athletes. They've spent their lives uh, training, uh, making a lot of sacrifices. Uh, there are reports that some of the younger players were led by uh, the captain of the team uh, to follow her in her disdain for America. When you watch them during the playing of the national anthem, there were, uh, I think, generally three of them that would put their hands over their hearts and um, and, and appeared to be singing. Uh, everybody else, uh, in- including the captain of the team, looked bored, disdainful, staring off. Uh, you know, the, the moment meant nothing. Come on, let's get on with the game. Uh, and, and Tom, I was struck by the the contrast. You know, all around the world. Uh, countries are allowed to be nationalistic. You, you know, so the, the, when the Vietnamese anthem was played, when we played Vietnam, the young ladies on the Vietnamese team, they, sh- they sung with gusto for a country that, while it's made some progress in some areas, uh, is still very much a, 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 an abuser of religious liberty. Its citizens have very few rights. And yet its team... He showed pride and delight uh, in the fact that they were representing their nation on the world scene. And I, so the thing that just grabbed me by the throat is how graceless and clueless the majority of these team members were. They, they clearly had no concept of the nature of the world, uh, of, of how uh, of how privileged, if I can use a word that the left has overused, uh, how privileged they are to be representing the United States of America in international competition. I'm not even sure most of them, Tom, thought of themselves as representing the United States. I think they thought of the United States as a burden they had to carry into international competition. And yet, if any one of them had to spend a, a day or a week in a prison in Iran or Russia or communist China or, quite frankly, a good number of the nations of the world, they would be whining their little heads off, wondering where the U.S. military was to come and rescue them from this horror. I, I came. I was writing about this the other day, Tom. I think we ought to, because this is now becoming a thing among our international athletes, unfortunately, I think we should add to the training requirements that before you get certified as an international athlete representing the United States on the world scene, that you spend a couple of days volunteering in a veteran's hospital talking to men and women that can explain to you in in very dramatic ways uh, why it shouldn't be all that hard to love your country when you're playing with the uniform of the United States on. I think that's that's an excellent suggestion, one that the authorities at the International Olympic Committee ought to follow up on. If you're going to play for the United States, you're going to respect the United States. You're going to respect our symbols and our traditions in public. And my sense was, if they don't respect us, why in the world should I respect them? I wanted them to lose. 
Yeah, I look, I've run into lots of people in the last few days, some of them political, some of them not. And uh, and I've, it's been sort of like an, an informal poll, like, wow, I uh, that's kind of disappointing, wasn't it? The women's uh, soccer team. Yeah, I, I heard they lost. I I haven't been watching it. I, I really I don't identify with any of those girls. I uh, ladies, young ladies. I Yeah. So, well, I get so that's over, huh? Yep. Yeah, it's over. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Tom. I guess Fox News had the franchise, right? Fox News right. Uh, had the, the World Cup franchise, uh, and they were broadcasting the games. And they, they, you know, any other sport with any other athlete that does this sort of thing, uh, there were all kinds of people on Fox, you know, on, on Fox and Friends who would comment on it. This is outrageous. But, man, the word, they had, the word had gone out. Don't say anything negative about the women's team because we want a whole lot of people to be watching those games. Look, I, we talk about this endlessly. Wherever the left takes over, whatever the left ends up taking over results in less freedom. In fact, every institution that the left has taken over, <clears throat> has taken over rather, has left freedom. Our liberties, our cultures, our values are being compromised uh, by those on the left. And what the left runs ends up with less liberty. And now we, of course, have, which is apparent to everybody but mainstream media, two sets of laws that operate in what is an increasingly, increasingly rather undemocratic America. Nearly all of what they're doing to Donald Trump, removing his attorney-client privilege, his executive privilege, even his right to discovery has been done not only brazenly, but in secret. This is what they do, Gary, in fascist countries, in communist dictatorships, in Marxist hellholes. They're taking away his constitutional right to a public trial <clears throat> by making everything in secret. His prosecutors are leaking like sieves to friendly media. At the, at the same time, they're demanding that judges slap gag orders on Donald Trump so he not only can't run for president but can't speak in his own defense <clears throat> about these own cases, his own cases. They're demanding that uh, D.C. judges who oblige 100 percent of the time uh, refuse to let Trump's lawyers see the documents that are being used as the basis of these charges against him. These documents, they've got to be kept secret, Gary, because Donald Trump can't be trusted. He can't be trusted with seeing those documents because if he sees those documents, he might figure out a way not to allow us to put him in prison for the rest of his life. We, yep. Because we got to make sure, Gary, that Donald Trump dies in prison. It's so important. We need to shut him up so he can't speak to the American people. He can't engage with the American people. We got to hit him with a gag order so that he can't campaign. Only we should be allowed to speak against him. He can't speak against us. Only we should be allowed to leak against him. He can't leak against us. And only we can deprive him of his constitutional rights so that he has no opportunity to defend himself. So uh, there was a poll out of uh, of New Hampshire the other day uh, that showed, um, you know, it was a poll of Republicans and they, they fell into different categories. Some of them identified as Reagan uh, conservatives or Reagan Republicans. Some were libertarians, some were evangelical, uh, some were um, I forget what the other 
the other category. Well, it was uh, some of them described themselves as uh, MAGA Republicans or Trump Republicans. And he was handily, uh, Trump was handily leading in all the categories. And one of the things the poll found was that some, it was a pretty big figure. It was somewhere but between 55 and 65, I forget the exact figure, of these Republicans in New Hampshire said that even if on election day he was in prison, uh, they would vote for him. And this was being uh, reported on, on on Fox and Friends a couple of mornings ago. And, and they were just like astonished, like, uh, oh, I, I mean, what? I, I mean, Gee, you know, he's got a committed following, doesn't it? But seriously, I mean, why would anybody say that? They would do. I mean, obviously, he couldn't win if he was in prison. But these the, the big chunk, a majority of Republicans in New Hampshire said they would vote for him. I, I just don't understand, you know. And my reaction time was so. You know, there's this group of people in America who for decades, you know, we've called them middle Americans, uh, the silent majority, the moral majority, uh, you, you know, all kinds of Reagan Republicans, whatever you want to call them. They, they have watched while everything they hold dear has been mocked, ripped away from them. They have economically uh, been left behind as the <coughs> – Big cities uh, all in on globalism have prospered. They've watched their factories close. Their kids have been indoctrinated and ripped away from them. Uh, they they couldn't find uh, you know many even Republicans who were willing to speak for them. It's why in 2016 when they were asked in polls what adjective comes to mind you those of you who identify as Republicans what adjective comes to mind when you think of of your party and the most frequent answer was. I feel betrayed. And then along comes a billionaire from New York and he starts going to the mat for him, for them. And he actually loses money in the process instead of getting more wealthy. Uh, and they watch as every power center in Washington attacks him, tries to impeach him, even now tries to throw him in jail. And who knew they actually feel a sense of of loyalty to him, a sense of almost what would be a form of love. They're like a guy that spent time with a fellow soldier in a foxhole. And once you're in the foxhole, you know, you're not going to abandon that guy in the battlefield. He gets wounded. You're going to try to drag him out to safety with you. And so they show this loyalty that no one else in the Republican Party, not Mitch McConnell, not McCarthy, no one in the Republican Party has a base like the base that Donald Trump has. And if you're a conservative on Fox News or in Manhattan working for the National Review magazine or you otherwise run a conservative group in town, you just don't understand why people keep sticking with Trump, given everything that's happened. It's <laughs> no. Uh, this week, the um, House Oversight Committee chair, James Comer, released documents, Biden family bank records, that clearly show what everybody knows, and that Joe not only knew all about Hunter's business dealings, that he sold his influence to oligarchs in Russia, 
oligarchs in Ukraine, oligarchs in Romania, Kazakhstan, China. The evidence continues to pile up against the Biden crime family, but is totally ignored, not only ignored, denied by Democratic media because they're so fixated on Trump that they ignore Biden. Now, consider the classified documents case. Donald Trump faces life, or more accurately, death in prison for removing White House documents that are being contested to his home where they were secured for 17 months under seal and protected by the United States Secret Service. Joe Biden did exactly the same thing, only as a senator and vice president, when he, unlike the president, had no authority to declassify anything. Yet he seems absolutely perfectly exempt from any legal consequence whatsoever. After all, the last time I checked, Gary, there's no such thing as the Vice Presidential Records Act. It's the Presidential Records Act, which, as Mark Levin has pointed out numerous times, is never even mentioned in the classified documents case. There's no reference to the Presidential Records Act as the defining uh, case law in that case. Joe Biden did the same thing, right? He took classified documents he had no legal right to declassify or to hold on to. He held them illegally, not for 17 months, but for 40 years, for four decades, in numerous unsecured locations. But he, Biden fessed up to all this, to his illegal retention of all these classified documents, only after decades of silence and only within a week after the Trump case became public. So the current president of the United States is prosecuting the previous president of the United States for crimes that the current president himself committed far earlier, far longer, and far more egregiously with far less excuse. Yeah, you know, Tom, there's that clip that uh, I've seen run a couple of times of of Biden, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, in a in a rare moment of being uh, lucid, and uh, he he said, uh, "Look, uh, the bottom line is that uh, Donald Trump cannot be allowed to take the Oval Office again, and and he will be stopped uh, uh, using constitutional methods, of course, but it is absolutely essential that he never set foot in the Oval Office again." And you know where you know where that appeared. You know where no, that, that, that strategic leak appeared? It appeared, of course, in our favorite New York newspaper, the New York Times. Why? Because it was a signal. It was a signal being sent by the White House to Merrick Garland to get off his keister and start prosecuting Donald Trump. That was the not that Garland needed any uh, added incentive to do that. But that's how they message in the left wing world. That's how they send signals from one to the other. This was purposefully leaked to the Times in order for public pressure to be put on Merrick Garland to make sure using any means legal and certainly illegal to ensure that Donald Trump never become president again. Yeah, Tom. And, you know, the broader thing here, as we keep reminding our audience, uh, is that if Donald Trump 
um, was taken up by an alien uh, to a better world uh, tomorrow morning. The, this, what we're seeing, this routine um, abridgment of civil liberties, this aggressive effort to literally cancel a good bit of the Bill of Rights when it comes to uh, those on the right in America uh, being able to use that Bill of Rights to speak freely, to worship freely, to defend their families by having a firearm, all the things that we're seeing. They, they, they would not waste a moment uh, celebrating that Trump was gone. They would, they would attack even more aggressively once he's gone on all those that made him possible and who supported him and who uh, gave him victories that put him in the Oval Office, and I still believe gave him a victory again to reelect him into the Oval Office. Um, Indict that man. Indict that man. Gary (laughs) Bauer just said he doesn't believe the 2020 election was on the level. Jack Smith, pick up the nearest red courtesy phone. I, I don't, Tom. And, and just to remind people, because this keeps getting glossed over, uh, people will say, yeah, it's not Gary. It wasn't even close for crying out loud. What are you talking about? Biden won by a million votes or whatever it was. All, all you needed was 70,000 votes in three states. And Donald Trump wins the only count that matters, which is the Electoral College vote. So you switch uh, Georgia, Michigan, and Arizona, which only takes about 60,000, 70,000 votes, and he wins re-election in 2020. Um, so, yeah, I, but, but look, you can see it in their rhetoric. You know, wh- wh- what do they do? What, are, what do they say about Comer? Oh, he's a MAGA Republican. You know, whoever we nominate, Tom, he will be labeled a MAGA Republican, a Make America Great Again Republican. And that means make America great again. That means America returning to its historic roots, returning to its central idea, which is that our liberty does not come from these freaks that control our bureaucracy and our government and our culture. Our liberty comes from God and not just any God. There's only one, uh, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, the New Testament. They, they are well on their way to erasing all that. By, by the way, Tom, I, when we were talking at the beginning here about uh, the, the sad sack group of uh, young women that were our uh, women's soccer team, um, you ever see those videos where they stop a man on the street and they go, uh, um, who was the American Revolutionary War fought against? <laughs> and, you know, the guy will go, uh, well, let's see, that was Germany, right? Uh, wasn't that Germany? Or, you know, um, who, who was the first president? Or who was the president during the Civil War? And we all like, we laugh and so forth, like, oh my gosh, where are they finding these people? I really wonder, Tom, how completely clueless even the quote-unquote well-educated young ladies on the American uh, soccer team are about these these just fundamental facts about America. I think they have no idea of what went before them, no idea of what the world's like now, and no idea of what is likely to happen to them and all of us if we stay on the road that we're on now, 
so so all the things we're talking about, the, these are all the things left is the left is doing. And those those young ladies on the soccer team, they are products of the American educational system. They're, they're, that's now totally in the hands of the left. They probably all to a person hate Donald Trump and hate Mike Pence and hate anybody else that would dare uh, get the Republican nomination and fight against what is going on uh, in America that we sadly see every day of our lives. I would prefer uninformed to misinformed. There was a study that you and I have cited probably 10 years ago by the uh, Institute for Scholastic Scholarship, uh, a conservative uh, think tank organization that studies pedagogy, educational issues, university issues. And it revealed something so profound and so dangerous and so disillusioning. They tested a U.S. history civics test for incoming freshmen at Ivy League schools, and they then counterbalanced the results of the incoming freshmen against their own tests four years later when they graduate. And these students of American history fared more poorly after graduating from an Ivy League school than they did before they ever walked in the door. These kids on this American soccer team whether they're uninformed, they're certainly led by those who are misinformed, those who have been taught, marinated, basted, roasted, sautéed in this, this self-loathing rejectionism of anything America, this notion, this phony notion of quote-unquote multiculturalism, which they like to argue believes that all cultures are equal, but in fact it means all cultures are superior to ours. Ours is the worst one. And you see this, you see this playing out right now in the persecution and prosecution, but primarily persecution of Donald Trump. We have, uh, again, quoting Mark Levin here, this Praetorian Guard state media that is independent uh, by virtue of its ownership and stock trade and all that kind of nonsense. But they are so not only in the tank, they are the tank for the Democrats. They are the Praetorian Guard media. They are the uh, enablers and defenders and oftentimes the originators of the left-wing narrative. Look at the impeachable phone call. Remember the impeachable phone call? Donald Trump. <laughs> All of which the reason for that phone call is being proven to us every day as the Biden family corruption in Ukraine uh, becomes more and more obvious. But that was the point. Donald Trump was impeached by a Democratic House for delaying foreign aid until the government of Ukraine guaranteed that Hunter Biden and his family were not engaged in corrupt influences peddling the government in, in Kiev. The indictment reads that the very first non-peaceful transfer of power in our country's history occurred in 2020, when it should have read, had it been accurate, that the very first non-peaceful transfer of power in our nation's history since 2016 
when Donald Trump won the presidency and Washington on Inauguration Day was hit with riots, arson, window smashing, fire hosing, tens and hundreds of thousands in the streets, smoke bombs, injured cops, wounded law enforcement officials. The left charged that Trump was targeting Joe Biden, his possible rival, right? Now, yet Biden, with absolute impunity, brags on national television that he threatened Ukraine by denying a billion dollars in aid unless Ukraine fired the prosecutor looking into his own son and his own family schemes by promising to cancel American foreign aid. And, of course, the Ukrainians folded. They fired this prosecutor, Viktor Shokin. And Biden's Justice Department is now prosecuting Trump, <laughs> Trump, the front runner to, to, to Biden, for basically legitimizing, validating, verifying the very charges against Joe Biden. It, it, it truly is amazing. It's disgusting. It is so obvious, Tom. And yet uh, I, I share your pessimism when I see polls that show not just Trump, but any Republican that is possible to get the nomination uh, e- either ties with Biden or uh, is up a point or two. Uh, we, we've got a, a huge problem. Tom, when we get back uh, from our break, I, I want to talk about something that was extraordinary. And, and hats off to Congressman Issa uh, from California, who had a hearing uh, out there with, with the, the Gold Star parents of the 13 courageous young Americans who paid the ultimate price at the Kabul airport because Joe Biden can't even surrender correctly. So uh, we'll talk about that when we get back, folks. You're listening to the Bauer Road Show. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. I apologize for Gary Bauer's uh, failed attempt at a smooth, seamless break. But we're back, and... The professionals are back in charge. <laughs> uh, Daryl, I- professional break is better than no break at all. I guess Tom. you're right. Well said. Very, very well said. Of course, earlier in the week, the devastating house testimony, the victims, the families of those Americans murdered in Afghanistan, uh, adjacent to one of the most humiliating moments, if not the single most humiliating moment, in American foreign policy. And the question again is, does anyone pay attention? How much coverage did it get? We're now, this is next week will be, uh, two weeks will be the third anniversary 
third anniversary or second anniversary of the disastrous withdrawal. Let's see yeah. how much attention the media pays to that. Remember the 1975 American pullout from Saigon ending the traumatic, tumultuous experience, our experience, the, the horrors of the Vietnam War. Of course, there was a Republican president at the time, Gerald Ford. And every year for decades, the anniversary of the fall of Saigon was etched into the memory, visual and otherwise, of every sentient American. And it should have been, because it was a horrible moment of defeat, of humiliation, of disgrace. But our efforts at that time to save Americans and to save tens upon tens of thousands of South Vietnamese who put their lives on the line for us was one of the great humanitarian success stories of a debacle. If you're going to write a book about debacles and happy endings, this isn't a happy ending, but we took extraordinary risks to save our people. We took extraordinary risks to make sure that tens upon tens of thousands of our allies and aides and helpers and friends could get out before the communist tyranny rolled into Saigon. Afghanistan was the complete opposite of that, a total, utter debacle from start to finish. And these witnesses, these beloved Gold Star family members who testified earlier in the week, uh, provided a vivid recall of how, how, how horrible a moment that was and what a dereliction of, of Joe Biden duty it was. Tom, it was um, it, it really was heartbreaking. And, and uh, the rhetorical question you asked, uh, no, no network devoted one second to the uh, statements and the emotion of these parents whose lives will never, ever be the same. Uh, no one other than Fox News gave it any attention at all. Now, you'll recall during the, the, the Trump administration, uh, President Trump got into a, an exchange with uh, a, a gold star uh, couple uh, who they were Muslim and they, they, uh, their Muslim son uh, was killed in combat uh, fighting for the United States. And uh, the, the parents criticized President Trump when he paused uh, immigration from, uh, I think it was a, uh, 10, 12 countries in which there was a terrorist presence in those countries. A number of those countries ended up being Muslim countries. And the media, of course, called this a Muslim ban on immigration. And this gold, gold star couple publicly uh, criticized the president. The media could not get enough of it. It dominated the news for days on end. And, of course, Donald Trump, being Donald Trump, uh, responded to those parents and uh, did it in a his Trumpian way. So uh, the, this this exchange went on for a good long time. Uh, he was being labeled, labeled a bigot. He was discriminating against Muslims, uh, the, the whole nine yards. So here are 13 couples— who lost their sons and daughters. They have been completely ignored by the media. Uh, 
Joe Biden, many of the, the, the parents talked about what Joe Biden said to them at Dover Air Force Base when he went there to uh, meet the caskets that were being brought back to the United States. Some of you may remember that that uh, Biden, President Biden, was caught on camera repeatedly looking at his wristwatch uh, as if he had something better to do that morning. A couple of the parents said, I remember one couple particularly, uh, he, he went up to the mother and he goes, I I, I know, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. Um, my, my wife and I welcomed our son, uh, Bo. Uh, we welcomed his casket home draped with a flag, uh, be, because he died defending our country. He did not. I mean, Bo served in the military, but he died of brain cancer at, at Walter Reed Hospital. Years later, he did not die in combat, and Biden keeps repeating this lie. And this gold star mother, Tom, said she was shaking with anger because she knew that Joe Biden's son, Bo, did not die in Iraq. He died here in the United States, and she was furious that the president looked her in the eye and lied to her. Uh, there was another couple, Tom, um, I saw them interviewed on Fox News. And uh, the, to just see the the passion in their voice. Yeah, and, and what they were pointing out was that this was an incompetent operation. And, and nobody paid a price for it. Nobody was demoted. No officer lost uh, some of those medals. Uh, in fact, no the in fact the opposite, Gary. There was a there was a ranking officer. I think he was a major who went on Twitter to criticize the incompetence of the operation. He was cashiered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, the the guy uh, I always forget his name because I want to forget his name. He's the press spokesman, I believe, for the uh, National Security Council. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I do know his name. It's John Kirby. So that's yeah, those are Kirby, those are nine nine brain cells that have now been wasted. Yes. Uh, well, Kirby, uh, when people were describing the scene at the airport as chaotic, uh, Kirby said, I, "I don't know what you're calling chaotic." I watched it. Uh, it, it. It looked well organized to me. And uh, the the parents were asked about that. And, and the, the one uh, mother of a lost son said, uh, I don't know what perch he was sitting at when he couldn't see chaos. Maybe he was on a beach with a pina colada. Uh, when he pronounced that everything was done exactly right. Tom, there's a big effort underway. There's a great deal of concern right now in the American military. We're, we're missing uh, our recruitment goals. They, they've put more money into recruitment ads. They're trying all kinds of different things. And look they who they're trying people. to recruit. Look at what the ads are. The yeah, ads right, are... right. Sorry, go ahead. But, but, but the point I was going to make is that the, the, the hearing 
that was done in California and which was covered on Fox News, uh, you, you could spend a hundred million dollars and, and not, uh, be able to cancel out what millions of middle American families saw about how these parents were treated, how their sons and daughters were repeated. And these are the families in middle America who throughout our history have said to their sons and daughters, you know, it would be a noble thing for you to join the military and defend our country. I'll guarantee you, Tom, many of those parents are telling their sons and daughters, don't you dare join the U.S. military. When you've got officers at the Pentagon like the ones we've seen, uh, ones that, in fact, that's one couple said, you know, uh, uh, those officers, when they advised Biden not to do this the way he was going to do it, but he insisted on doing it anyway, they should have resigned their officership. They should have stepped down and showed some honor rather than let this president, without uh, any public understanding of what he was doing, uh, do what he did in that withdrawal from uh, from Afghanistan. And you're giving them much more credit much more leniency than I would. Uh, there used to be in the military world things called courts martial. When you violate your duty, when you dishonor your unit, your company, your division, when you disobey orders, or when you screw up, you face military justice. There was none of that, none of that in Afghanistan. The more I think about this, it's not like I wasn't paying rapturous <laughs> attention to your previous nine-and-a-half-minute monologue. I was thinking about our exit from Vietnam. Yeah. And as humiliating as it was, we had lost the war, but the effort we took to rescue, to save the risks that the Marines at our embassy and at subsequent safe houses took, the efforts long in the making for evacuation, which our ambassador at the time refused to authorize because of the defeatist signal it might demonstrate. It was all wrapped up in a tapestry of, of failure and humiliation but the contrast between the actual results of the exit itself, and I'm not excusing the failure in Vietnam, by the way. I'm just saying it's a world of difference between the care, the effort, the risk, the resource used to extricate people from a collapsing South Vietnam than those facing a collapsing uh, Afghan government defeated after 22 years by a band of ninth century barbarians. Can well, we talk? Tom, no, I was. Can I change the subject? Absolutely. Sure. Can we? Well, talk? let me just make Go one ahead. more comment on this. That, that you, you'll remember that you know, we had Navy ships stationed off the coast of of South Vietnam. Oh, the Seventh Fleet uh, was all redeployed. Was all there. Yeah, and it was for the specific purpose of you know trying to rescue people that had gotten into dinghies and whatever else they could find to get to get out of uh, Saigon and out of Vietnam before it completely fell. And Reagan used to love telling the story of how uh, in in fog, uh, U.S. sailors on, on the 
the you know the the deck of one of those navy ships peering into the fog trying to see if there was anybody out there and and a boat coming into sight uh, overwhelmingly filled with these uh people from south vietnam uh, hoping that somehow they could get to freedom and as one of the the boats sees a us naval vessel and sees the sailors on the deck, the, the, the people in the boat start yelling, freedom men, freedom men, that they knew once they saw an American on a ship that that was their ticket to freedom. And those Vietnamese, many of them Catholics who knew they would be killed once the communists took complete power, those, uh, those Vietnamese families came to this country and became some of the most incredible citizens of the United States that we have ever seen. A bit of, of trivia that I'm sure will even bore you to tears. A demonstration, a proof of how committed we were to saving those who helped us. The fall of Saigon, April 1975, coincided with the final Apollo man mission. It was the Apollo-Soyuz mission where a Russian and American spacecraft docked. It was big news. The spacecraft, the Apollo capsule, obviously lands in the ocean. It's picked up by a carrier task force. A carrier uh, recovers the astronauts, recovers the capsule. The carrier was diverted to the South China Sea to assist in the evacuation. Those on the Apollo, in the Apollo-Soyuz capsule had to wait for a destroyer, the USS Kearney, to show up. There were helicopters that were able to save the capsule, but they didn't even get... We were so committed to doing the right thing in South Vietnam that these guys uh, literally faced serious risk because our carrier had been rerouted and detoured. Of course, everything worked out fine, but... It was anything but that. It was the absolute opposite. And Biden then has the chutzpah to, to come out and say what a successful evacuation it was, what a successful withdrawal it was. It was the greatest withdrawal in the history of withdrawals. And we should all be proud. And the media then drops it, absolutely drops it. It's disgusting. Well, you know, speaking of U.S. ships off the coast of Vietnam so many decades ago, the United States was treated uh, – in the last week to Chinese communists and Russian ships off the coast of Alaska, uh, a very provocative show of force greeted by uh, four U.S. destroyers. I believe there were 11 uh, Chinese communists and, and Russian naval vessels involved. I, I've heard predicted this week, Tom, that this is just the beginning. We will now in the months ahead see this show of force off the coast of Washington State, Oregon, and the coast of California. We're trying to project power in the Black Sea uh, near Ukraine uh, and Russia and, of course, in the Taiwan Strait. And the communist China and Russia is showing us that it's a new age and they can project power off the west coast of the United States. I wanted to change subjects entirely for the last uh, couple of minutes here, and that's on the, the Lahaina Luna fires, the Maui fires. I know um, my uh, uh, father and mother of blessed memory lived there for almost 40 years, so I know the area very well, and I'm going to engage in 
some absolutely unscientific speculation here, knowing the island, frankly, as well as I do. Maui is a tropical paradise. It's not a desert. It's one of the wettest places on Earth. The last 20, 30, 40 years in that island, development has been uh, uh, limited to lower reaches. It's a, it's a volcanic island. It's mountainous. You throw a seed on a rock, and a tree grows bountiful with fruit. It's not a desert. And for 30 years, there was no wildfire management. There was no attempt. Much of the island had, for more than a century, been cultivated by uh, the Dole Pineapple Company, where sugar was grown, CNH sugar, and pineapple. And as that became uneconomic and it all went overseas, it all went to the Philippines and now to India, all that land was left fallow. You weren't allowed to develop on it. And the environmentalists said, don't touch it. So you had decades of fuel, which is detritus from, you know, burn fields and the like. It rages and absolutely within 90 minutes obliterates a city of 13,000 people, Lahaina, beautiful, beautiful town. I'm sure you've probably been there. And the immediate response, the immediate response is, you guessed it. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it's, I mean, there are four points to global warming upon which the entire argument of global warming rests. And people say, do you believe in, no, I believe in God. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's science or it isn't science. If any of these four arguments can be challenged at any point, then all the other arguments collapse, right? First yep. of all, it has to be proven that there is indeed true global warming. I, there probably is. A lot of evidence shows that there is. Two, that that has to be caused in a measurable way by human activity. Again, maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. There's also this thing out there. Uh, in the sky that we see during the daytime called the sun, which has uh, uh, some impact on... Wait a minute, Tom. That's the mega sun. You've got to get this straight. (laughs) That's a radical sun that's heating us up. Right, right. You know, that there's anything we can do to mitigate it, and that if we do something, if we don't do anything, is it really going to lead to human catastrophe? So again, you have this, this horror of the West Maui fires, and there's no attempt to look at the cause of the fire, what local authorities could have done, why there was no fire protection, where was the fire brigade, uh, local infrastructure, why did everything collapse? But no, it's immediately, it's, it's, it's Donald Trump's fault, and Justin Trudeau has to opine, because of course, as the Prime Minister of Canada, he has a lot to say about what happens in America's 50th state. But I, I'm just stunned by how you have, on the one hand, utter incompetence, absolute incompetence locally, and how the media is so committed to a narrative, it will overlook the huge story here, which is how in the Hades did this happen? Was this allowed to happen? Yeah. You, you know, Tom, the, the global warming thing, It's a, this is probably the, the issue that most demonstrates the uh, ability of the left to indoctrinate uh, wide swaths of every Western country's population, and more importantly, the children of these countries. Uh, there, there's there's a tremendous body of, of uh, 
research developing about how many American children uh, are literally becoming psychotic about worried about the weather, worried about the planet uh, is going to uh, is going to you know catch on fire and everybody's going to die. <laughs> children are uh, as they become young adults, they're delaying marriage. If they get married, they're delaying bringing children into the world. Why would I bring a child into the world when so many horrible things are happening? A uh, normal weather is being described as extraordinary weather. We just went through earlier in the week, Tom, um, a, a typical weather system that you see in the United States moving from the west to the east. It always happens in summer. Uh, hot air hits cooler air. You get, hold on to your seat belts, folks. You get thunderstorms. Thunderstorms that have here it comes, wind gusts that go up to maybe 30, 40, even 50 miles an hour. It has happened my entire life. I remember running for cover in Newport, Kentucky on hot summer afternoons because there were thunderstorms that happened every afternoon virtually in the summer. And guess what? Lights went out, lightning would strike somewhere and we would lose electricity and we didn't have air conditioners. The fans wouldn't work. You know, we're just sitting there. There was nothing to do but wipe the sweat off. Tom, the alerts earlier this week came across the TV. My phone started buzzing. We needed to seek shelter wherever we could. The, uh, the, the, literally, I am not, I'm not joking, Tom. The Biden administration closed the federal government, I think it was on Tuesday, told everybody to leave their office buildings at 3 o'clock, get out of Washington as fast as they could. And uh, we get to the end of the day, and uh, wow, Tom, it it rained, uh, there was thunder and lightning, and uh, the rain was over in about an hour or so, and the world returned to normal. Now, there's a... It's it's pathological, the degree to which we want to terrify and terrorize our children. It's a shame. And um, look at the clock. Yeah, that's a shame, too. We're, <laughs> we're, we're done again. <laughs> well, this was a great show, as they all are. And uh, thank you for listening. You can catch us every weekend right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. And during the week, you can listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, except, I guess, what, Spotify is going out of business? Some, some, some big... Seriously? Some... And I'm sure I probably, I probably screwed it up. Not Spotify. Uh, what's the other one? St- uh, Stitcher? Yeah. Who? Yeah, why am I asking you? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, what's wrong with you? You can't ask me things like that. Why, why in the world would I be asking you about a, pod, plat, a podcast platform? Anyway. I, I have no idea. Have a great weekend. Football's only a couple of weeks away. And uh, we'll talk to you early in the week. God bless. God bless everyone.